0: This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 6. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm your host, Brett Duncan. I'm joined today by Tanya Austin. Say hello. Hi there. And of course, Chris Fuller. Hey, guys. Uh, The Influence Leadership team is in the house, the mics are set up, we're uh, enjoying our coffee and it's time to continue to talk about leadership. Absolutely. All right, excellent. So we've talked a lot about some of the concepts in your book, Iditarod Leadership. Today is a big one um, because it it focuses on a few things, but really they all come together uh, and that's communication, awareness, and skill. In a lot of ways, how that relates to as a leader how you give direction. Yeah. Um, So, you know, one of my favorite, I think I say this every episode, but one of my favorite (laughs) quotes in the book has to do with uh, the difference between how amateurs and professionals practice. Yeah. Rattle that line off for us and dig in
1: on that. Well, sure, I mean, even, I'm not a golfer, uh, but when I go to the range, the moment I hit the most amazing shot, that's the last shot I take. <laughs> Why? Because I want to end on a high note, right? Credit. Oh, man, I'm awesome, right? So that did you see that shot? Uh, but um, how you practice is how you ultimately play. So amateurs will practice until they get it right. Professionals will practice until they can't get it wrong. So when you look at that practice, you know, it's, it's not even... Um, it's not even this. We say practice makes perfect. No, practice makes permanent. Mm. Perfect practice makes perfect. If you practice a lousy shot for hours and hours, you're just going to embed a lousy swing. So perfect practice makes perfect. How do we practice? How do we make sure that we are embedding the right behaviors in the team? You know, preparation is a key to success. And so as we start to build in the mechanics and as we start to build in the, how is this going to run? What does this look like? So all of that comes into ensuring that the right things are done the right way. And if we're going to do that, we've got to to back up and we've got to say, so what does this mean for us in preparing the team in order for us to enhance the team? So how did you see this come to life uh, on the Iditarod? Well, you know, you can't run a race. Um, number one, I couldn't run the race from Fort Worth. We talked about that. Yeah. So I had to actually put myself in a, in a place of, uh, of the adventure. But then knowing the team. So here's one of the reasons that I won't run an Iditarod race. I don't know the dogs well enough. And if you put me in charge of 16 dogs for 1,100 miles over 10 days there may be the slightest thing as a leader that the dog is telling you, there may be a cue. Like if, if you know somebody deeply, you know, hey, um, you're limping a little bit. What's up with that? But if, you're, if I didn't have that awareness and that dog had a little bit of a gait um, a differential, a little bit of a limp, and I didn't know that, you could harm a dog. Now, the, the, the new Iditarod, what I love about Iditarod is the new Iditarod take so much care of the kennel, take so much care of the dogs themselves that they can even, uh, when, with the best mushers will know when, when the dog is 1% off, 2% off, and they'll know that difference. And the only way to know that difference is to spend almost an entire year with those to deeply have that intimacy with the team. So you know even the slightest um, uh, differential. You'll know even the slightest degree of uh, that dog is not at their top today. Then, then I, I can't lead the team I want. I can only lead the team I have, and only the team I have today. So, we haven't talked about what I'm about to ask you. I'm going to make
0: some assumptions. Okay. If you have full permission to say, no, you're an idiot. That's completely <laughs> off. Um, but, knowing what you do, you professionally, you, you, uh, companies bring you in uh, sometimes for very short engagements, sometimes sure. a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but you are, you know, you're brought in. You're not necessarily a permanent part of the team. So, mm-hmm. you talking about, you You said you won't run the rod and for the reasons of you can't be around the team for a long period of I time. I don't want to hurt
1: a dog, right? Right.
0: I have to assume either their expectation sometimes or it comes up in conversation. They're like, Chris, will you just fix our
1: team for us? (laughs) Um, What happens in that situation? Um, So, you know, the first rule uh, uh, for doctors, what is it, the Hippocratic Oath? Um, Do no harm, right? (laughs) Right. So that's my first rule of thumb in in any sort of uh, consulting, whether it's running a dog team or consulting. Do no harm. And so I have to get real clear about the desire of the uh, of the leaders. But here's another one. What the leaders are willing to live. Mm-hmm. Because my deepest concern, and I've told leaders this, listen, I can educate your team to a point where they will hate you. I can educate your people to a point of what a leader should be, what a leader could be, what culture could be, what... And then they start to look at what's existing and they become dissatisfied with what's existing because I've inspired them to the possibilities of the future. So I've gotta back up and say, where's the organization willing to go? And what are you as a leader willing to embody? And if you're not willing to embody what I'm gonna put in front of your people, I've gotta back up and talk about the existing, the reality of the trail, the reality of, instead of the possibility of, because I don't want to, um, to educate your people to a point where they would want to quit you, mm-hmm. or they would want to. So all of that comes into the clarity, and the communication, and knowing the team, and the musher, and, and then the, the best thing that I can do is to, to make the sum of the parts better, uh, the sum of the whole better than the sum of the parts.
0: And so you know, talking to looking at, at the leaders we're speaking to now, obviously one of the most important things they can do is spend that time with the team, so they actually are in a position where they are comfortable, quote unquote, running the Iditarod, right? Uh.
1: Yeah, you know. So the best thing about the Iditarod is it's 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 this amazing race and this big, hairy, audacious goal, right? People call them BHAGs. hags. Mm-hmm. You get this big, hairy, audacious goal. We're going to run 1,100 miles, right? So, I mean, that's a, a topic for a deeper conversation, but how do you run 1100 miles? You don't, you run 26 checkpoints. Hmm. So as we get into those, you know, that project management, that, that aspect of what um, was amazing about the book and tying it back, amazing about the, the journey and tying it back to business. If I know my team and I know my team deeply and they know me, there's a couple of things that I'm doing. Number one, I'm creating a bond where when we're exhausted, when we don't want to do more, give more, they will run for me. Why? Because how I relate to them and we both have skin in the game. And I'm not this musher that's on the back of the sled being Caesar, right? You guys mush me to greatness. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this intimacy of we, the symbiosis, if you will, that symbiotic relationship where I relate to them, they relate to me, and the clarity of communication and the expectation, all of that comes into that we are this one body, this integrated system that then achieves some amazing things. Hmm. A lot of what you talk about in in this chapter, too, has to do with
0: the importance of a leader giving simple clear and very direct
1: communication
0: yeah uh, and I, I think that last part a lot of times is the most one the direct communication uh, elaborate a little
1: bit on that how how does that apply in business and for leaders today well it starts out of my deficiency uh, there's a lot of times in business and and that i would I would give you 20% of the equation and expect you to fill in the other 80. So I would hint at my expectations and I would expect. Well, the problem with that is, unless you make it clear and concise. Well, I would say things like, I think we need to get this amount done. Well, instead of, I need you to complete this by this day, I would say, hey, what do you think about us getting this done by next week? Well, yeah. So. Um, the the, the clarity of who does what by when. Clear, simple, concise. And what I found is if you don't have clear, simple, concise communication, if people don't know what's expected of them, then you can actually get relationally sideways. Whereas I thought I was helping the relationship by giving them 30% and, and, and by hinting at what I wanted. It actually is the the best neighbors are the best neighbors because they have very clear fences, mm. right? So this comes into our relationship as well. Of here's what the leader does. Here's what I'm responsible for. Here's what's on my plate. Here's what's on your plate. And here's my clear expectations, so that there's not hurt feelings along the way. Of I thought, you thought. And and so really within the team, there's no way to achieve greatness without clear roles, clear responsibilities, clear time frames, clear KPIs, all the stuff in business. Is there a greater responsibility of leaders, at least on a daily basis, than doing this well? Um, if um, how can you have clear results without clear expectations? Yeah. Fuzzy communication, fuzzy math fuzzy results and so the the thing that is always crystal clear is what's on the income statement at the end of the year Mm -hmm. numbers don't lie well how can we get crystal clear results again without coming back to we don't want to leave it to chance professionals don't leave it to chance Mm -hmm. professionals nail it and they are gonna they're gonna run this in such a way that I mean, can you imagine a professional uh, football quarterback going, um, "Hey, I think we're going to run this route. <laughs> I think we're going to run this play." Well, what does that mean? I mean, there's always the chance of an audible, but you have to start with clarity of expectation, clarity mm-hmm. of purpose. I
0: think that's a good example too, because obviously every play—I uh, don't, you know—if you've ever seen a, a either a even high school but college, and certainly a professional playbook, I mean, these guys spend hours and days and weeks learning. This is what I specifically do on this play. And if yeah. I don't do it, if it's not clear, this play really isn't this play. It's just a, a group
1: of people doing whatever they want to do. And I, you know, going back to that, one of the other things that I put in the in that chapter is professionals will see things that amateurs will never see. Mm. So as I'm sitting there watching football, right, the quarterback's sitting there and all of a sudden the quarterback starts calling audibles and pointing at this person and pointing at that person. And because of the defense, because of the slightest thing that they saw, they changed the plan. Well, as an amateur, if I got up there at a quarterback, I would be dead meat. Why? Because the defense is cueing things that an amateur will never see. And yet a professional knows immediately to call the audible based on So that particular piece, the insight of the professional, the understanding, the awareness of all of that comes into, I can even protect my team and I can make the moves I need to make, why? Because I won't leave it to chance. I'm gonna nail this thing and so that's the degree. As professionals, we're in charge of this team. Again, I won't run the Iditarod because I'm afraid of you putting 16 lives in my hands. Hmm. Well, why would we run our business that way i mean think about this i'm asking you guys around this table invest your career track into my hands and let's go build something amazing but if you guys look at me and you doubt me from either a, a technical proficiency or you doubt me from a relational um, trust you know two types of trust transactional professional trust relational trust if you doubt either side why would you give your best You guys are amazing people. Why would you contribute your best to me? Why would you entrust that into creating this amazing, talented team and us go, if you didn't believe in me Mm -hmm. and as a leader, the clarity of communication, my ability to articulate all of that comes into your building trust, mutuality, relationship and from the trust, then we can have awesome, amazing transaction. But one of the things I say all the time is trust is the currency of leadership without it you're insufficient.
2: Hmm.
1: You know,
0: thinking about simple and direct communication, uh, especially the way you explain it, obviously those two things should go hand in hand, but I think a lot of leaders think they're almost opposite. I, can I be direct with you and be simple? I think we equate sometimes simple with generic. Sure. You know, uh, and I, I'm assuming you've seen some of that. How yeah. do we, if, if you are not naturally uh, being as direct as your team needs to be, how what are some practical things you can do to remind yourself to be that way? Well,
1: one of the things you can do is to ask your team their perception of what you just said. So do a little echo check, right? So as you're running, if the team is not, I don't wait for, for six months to see, right? So on the on the, uh, on the mushing, as we were talking about mushing the clarity of communication, um, the the mushing has its, even its own language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is um, Gee, if you want to go right, ha if you want to go left, right? So if you're yelling in the mushing language, and dog language, you you yell ha and the team starts to go right instead of go left, then you know that maybe I didn't communicate it right. And so as I'm sitting there trying to learn the language, see one of the keys is you learn your people and you learn what those words mean. Mm. So then you talk in their language not your language. So, um, many leaders think that because they transmitted communication has occurred. No, no, no. Communication means two way transmission and receipt. And you know, just like one of the, in, in these podcasts and in, in these things that we're doing, we say, don't let your learning lead to knowledge. Let your learning lead to action. Mm-hmm. Don't let your communication lead to transmission. Let your communication lead to action. Clear, concise, direct, actionable. And so in the midst of that, if you have some echo checks with your team, if the team is not immediately having actionable steps, then you know that you haven't communicated sufficiently uh, to the team. So I've got to look at that. Are we clear? Uh, And what are we gonna do? When are we gonna do it? All those things come as that echo check back to me that the team needs more from me, or I just give them permission. If there's anything that I've communicated with, any level of disclarity in my head, there's likely the perception, right? Beliefs drive behaviors. I believe I've communicated sufficiently. And if you don't have that awareness, I need you to give me that feedback. So the echo check, I think
0: that's an extremely important practical tip that people can take. because another thing I'm, i've been guilty of it i've seen other leaders guilty of it you let's say you give pretty clear and direct uh communication to your team and then you check out and you're just like i'll see you at the finish line right you right know, and it's like oh if it didn't uh, things didn't go the way i told you it should go what, what else do you want from me and it comes back to
1: those checkpoints it does and and so within the checkpoints And Tanya's great about this. If you're in one of our sessions, you'll find out that, you know, at the end of this, we're into the who does what by when, and we take accountability for all of this stuff. And so, you know, uh, from from when Tanya put some of this stuff on the screen as we're doing all of this with the teams, and it's like, okay, this person committed to this activity with this result by this day, right? Mm -hmm. So we put interim checkpoints in and we say, okay, so if I expected to get to there by, like for instance, for us sitting in North Texas, if I said, okay, I want us to meet in Oklahoma City in four hours, and, and I say, okay, so you jump on I-35 headed south, what's the likelihood that you're going to be in Oklahoma City in four hours?
2: <laughs> Not likely. Not likely,
1: right? Yeah. So we've got to have those road markers, those signposts along the way that know that we're headed in the right direction. So one of the things is what I like doing, one of the things I don't like about leadership is having to hold everybody accountable and having to go back and hold their hands. Hey, did you? And so all that's kind of miserable. What I love is self-reporting sessions. So we get together every Thursday and we say, tell me your commitments and give a progress update. So the clarity of communication is I know what I need to do and I know when it needs to get done by. So I have that self reporting mechanism every Thursday. Here's the commitments, here's the call outs and what I need from you as a leader is what do you need from me to help you? What are the roadblocks? What are the resourcing? What's the equipping? What's the empowering? All of that becomes this self reporting mechanism instead of me sitting there holding your hand, did you, would you, could you, and micromanaging. I want an amazing team. That has amazing freedom to do what they need to do and i'm here to equip and empower i'm not here to hold your hand and to micromanage and so i think the best teams that's the communication with the clarity and setting up ultimately what becomes the team culture the expectations the roles and responsibilities
2: you brought up a really good point when you were talking about to the different accountability and responsibility and who's going to do what by when So to me, when you're talking to the team and communicating clarity, there's two pieces to that. One is as a team and one is individually. The cool thing and what really is the result of communicating with the team is that I think they begin to see clearer how their piece fits into the whole because oftentimes individuals don't really see their importance of completion on specific things to the uh, to the greater good yeah. but when you're communicating great as a team and every member sees how their piece fits to the whole it really I think brings it all home and makes you feel more like a team instead of someone working autonomously
1: the clarity of the roles and responsibilities has has two effects number one clearly defined roles and responsibilities helps everyone know what's on your plate, what's on my plate, but then it gives them purpose within the team. Absolutely. And how many of us want to go to work without purpose? Well, it's just a paycheck. No, 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 I want purpose. And purpose means this is my role, this is my responsibility, this is how I contribute. And in that purpose and that power, there's a payoff. And so that payoff is the responsibility and then that known contribution elevates my game professionals know the role they play and if they don't play the role how will the team win Hmm. i love this idea of
0: self-reporting and and creating that culture you know one of my mentors uh, was doing that and i didn't even know they were really doing it you know but uh, they were very good and about saying here what's the task when do you want to complete it by yeah. You know, and obviously there were times when they, it didn't matter when I wanted to. They, he would have to say, hey, I need it done by this time. But most of the time he would open up, when do you want to get it done by? Yeah. And then when it came time for self reporting, if I was on track, great. If I wasn't on track, it was my self imposed deadline. Right. Right. And so right. there was this ownership, obviously. Uh, and it made a complete difference and he was also you know the the temptation there is to answer i can have it done by tomorrow you know you want to be a pleaser yeah and he was very open on set a realistic timeline I'm giving you the chance to tell me right when you want it done because I want you to have however much time you need to do this with excellence
1: um, but once you commit let's commit that that's such a key piece I've done this with sales teams for years and years um, how much do you believe you can sell and then based on your number, right, mm-hmm. then your commitment then tells me how many salespeople I need in the field. So if I want a $10 million business and I've got five salespeople and they each say they can sell about a million apiece, well... I either need to step them up for their territories and get them to achieve more, or I just need to double the number of salespeople that I have on the ground, right? So uh, I love that self-reporting, again, beliefs drive behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stretch you, right? As a leader, I need to stretch you, but that doesn't mean I need to superimpose my thoughts onto you completely. I need to know what you believe you can achieve, and then I need to, to develop you into This amazing athlete, this amazing achiever, instead of just demanding of you doing a dump and run. Yeah.
0: You know, one more thing that you've mentioned in the book um, has to do with your team's awareness of you. Your team, whether you think they do or not, they are very aware of your energy. Oh, yeah. You know, what you're worried about, your apprehensions, <laughs> what you're excited about. Yeah. Okay. So, and so, may, so many of us as leaders think either they're not aware, they don't see it. But again, all it takes is for us to think about a leader we've had, and
1: we've been very well aware, right? Yeah, of What's yeah. going on there. So, uh, how do you handle that? <laughs> well, I joke about it, and, and I, uh, you know, from a negative side, right? We learn just as much from bad leaders. Uh, we probably learn more from bad leaders than we do good leaders, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so, um, I've worked for a leader. Uh, I wonder how many of us around the table have, or how many of us listening today have, where you kind of worked for Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and we kind of peeked in the office to see who came in that day, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They were emotionally consistent, and you kind of peek around the peek around the door, and you go, oh, "Not today," right? So. <laughs> Um, you learn that the team, whether you believe they do or not, they pick up on your emotions, they pick up on the intangibles. And so for for what I want to do is I want to make sure that as the leader goes, so goes the team, mm-hmm. right? As the head goes, so goes the body. So as we look at that, um, I want to lead myself first in attitude and action. So as I leave myself in attitude, then I have to communicate the expectations to the team. And I have to say, you know what, here's the energy that I want. And I also have to know what the other side of that is. So if I'm passionate, action oriented, the downside of that is it's not ready, aim, fire. It's fire, oop. <laughs> Maybe I need to back up and do a little bit more preparation. So you've gotta know the team you want. You've gotta know the team you have. You've got to lead with intentionality around attitude and action and you've got to know the, 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 the great sides of me and you've got to know the downsides of me. And when we've got to put all of that together, communicate that to the team, why? And, and sometimes I'll let the team give me some of that feedback um, because wouldn't, wouldn't you rather go to work for someplace that you have a degree of control in and you have a degree of freedom and autonomy and not everything is so tightly reined um, that you're choking back the team? We're we're just creating this. You know what? You're spending your life with me as much as I'm spending my life with you. Mm-hmm. And and let's have a degree of that. Uh, um. You know that that uh, mutuality and setting the tone and the tenor for the team and uh, and creating the culture that we want, not just the culture I want.
0: Some great advice today, and I really think this is probably an area where so many leaders struggle. Um, Maybe they knew already that they struggled, or maybe after listening to this, or they realized that they struggled. But regardless, uh, great lessons today. We talked to, about really the heart of this podcast is we want you to do something with it. And uh, I heard it described once the difference between training and coaching, uh, training being the difference in what you don't know and what you need to know, Right. and coaching being um what you know and what you aren't doing. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, and I, I think that, that, and so I really see this podcast almost in the spirit of coaching. Right, we're probably uh, bringing up a lot of uh, topics that maybe you know, or we're bringing it up in a way that maybe you haven't heard before. But our hope is you're getting inspired and
1: motivated, and practical tips on actually doing something about it. I think that that's that's great, and and so at the next meeting, let's just end the meeting with a who does what by when. And once you see it on the screen and you say, um, this is what, who does what by when, are you committing to this, yes or no, and you point to everybody on their team and they own what's on the screen, Mm -hmm. then that level of commitment, and you've committed to the time frame, then the team and the self-reporting, that can be a, a key piece. If nothing else, just end the meeting with who does what by when and have that clarity. I think that's a good start. Excellent. Well, thank you guys today.
0: Thanks for everyone listening. And as always, uh, we want to hear your feedback. Uh, Touch base with us on the website and also make sure you leave a review in iTunes. Uh, That certainly means a lot to us. So we'll continue looking forward to talking to you on the next episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on this episode of Influence Leadership I hope you got a lot out of it. We've been hearing so much from many of you, so we're going to make sure that we keep the episodes coming. As always, make sure that you visit InfluenceLeadership.com. Lots of great stuff there, all things pertaining to Chris Fuller and his company. Uh, Lots of great training excerpts, some videos of Chris on site with clients, uh, some great uh, resources you can download, documents and things like that. Uh, and also you can connect with us there, either via email or obviously on social media. All of that information's there. Of course, if you are interested in bringing Chris in to work with your organization, we'd love to talk with you. Just go to influenceleadership.com and uh, contact us there through the information that you see there. So until next time, thanks so much again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing, on, seeing you on the next episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast.